0: So hi, everyone. Um, welcome back. This is becoming a regular thing. Um, so this is our chat number five. I'm here with Wai Li and Ann Waldner, and this is Eileen. And so we're going to launch right back into discussion. We had really quite a lively discussion about chapter five, but, um, we will, we, as, as I think Anne pointed out towards the end last time, we didn't quite get into the sex scene. And so we will return there. And also because chapter six picks up right that, uh, you know, um, sort of waking from the dream. And so we will, um, stay there and a lot of really wonderful, lively discussions over the Twitter thread about, um, both, uh, the figure of Xiyuan Aroma, um, Qin Keqing, of course, um, and uh, Bao Yu and his sexual initiation. So we'll um, linger there a bit, but also, as promised, um, today we will be really talking about uh, one of the probably most um, vivid characters in homo especially in popular culture. So this is an example of when Wei Yi and I were talking the preamble of People who have not read the book but have kind of um, know of the book and its uh, characters through almost cultural osmosis um, uh, know about Granny Liu, Liu Lala, and um, her visit to this the the, the Ja family and so so it's really interesting to think about um, why and how her first encounter and it's not her only encounter but her first visit um, and her first appearance in the in the fiction in chapter six captures people's imaginations um, there were also really wonderful discussions on the thread about consent about um um, various editions and perhaps a kind of emendation or slight changing of characterization through different editions, especially of the character of aroma, and um, some discussions of translation and Hawks's, um i think Brendan calls it transculturation—of um, making some folksy terms that Lulalau uh, Granny Lul um, iterates into more um, folksy Christian terms, and so I'd love to talk about that. But um, uh, if I may indulge, I will begin with um, talking about two encounters I had between last Saturday and this. And the first was that um, right after we had our chat uh, last Saturday, last Saturday night, I went to see a movie for the first time in a long, long time, and in the theater, I mean, And uh, we saw everything everywhere all at once, uh, which uh, directed by the Daniels, starring Michelle Yeo, Yang Zitionung. And I highly, highly recommended totally blew my mind, but it is also a story of the stone. So I will recommend that you all see it as well. And I'd love to chat in a separate forum about this sometime. Um, Secondly, um, I happen to have a delightful uh, flunch, what Duke calls faculty lunch here, with two uh, dear students of mine, both graduating and um, both are not literature majors, but very interested in literature, and um, they have begun in their senior year and you know towards the end of their requirements and such, uh, diving into Russian literature and taking class on Dostoevsky and taking classes on you know uh, thinking about Russian literature. And I asked him why. I said, uh, "This is Mona and Maggie. If you're out there, but um, that uh, if you're not a Russian major or know any or study that." area of the world or know Russian language, what drew you to these courses? And of course, they're taught by one of my, one of my colleagues who uh, who's just wonderful. And so that's one reason. But another is that, um, as one of them said, they felt that they should know something about Russian literature because they've always heard about, you know, Um, How important it is, and how wonderful this this body of work is, and they want to dive in. And I asked, and they're both of Chinese descent, and they both speak Chinese. And so I asked them, "Well, have you heard of Dream the Red Chamber? And have you felt an urge to read it?" And they both actually said no. (laughs) So, so it was interesting to me. I mean, because these are two. Brilliant, young, wonderful, smart, you know, literary students. And and I just thought, you know, what is the cultural capital of these various literatures? And um and part of why why you know even talked about beginning this was really thinking about this in the context of Um, not um, setting up a barrier, right? That precisely the people who really have no access to Russian language or who have known nothing really prior, uh, uh, have much knowledge of Russian literature, feel that they can get something, and they do get something, out of reading it in translation. And so one of our big questions throughout this enterprise is, Can people feel the same way about Story of the Stone? So that's just my digressive off-topic indulgent beginning um, today. But now we will dive right back to the central premise. I guess I will make one final administrative announcement. So next week we are taking a pause because uh, we are... All busy, but also it's due commencement. So I'm not sure I can Twitter space from commencement. So, um, so we will um, pause and resume in two weeks, two Saturdays from now. Um, but dive right into Chapter Twelve, right? And that's a nice arc to continue Wang Xifeng's character discussion of um, of Wang Xifeng. So yes, okay. So let me let me turn the floor over to Anne and Yi. Hi.
1: Hi. hi. first time I'm using um, earbuds with um, with the computer, so I'm just learning. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: do, do you want to do you want to start, Yee? No, no. What, what
1: are we What are we supposed to start on? Eileen? I mean, is there a question that you want us to
0: answer? Um, maybe we where we ended with um, something that Anne brought up last week, um, mm-hmm. or maybe two weeks ago, which is. Um, uh, the whole purpose of the fairy disenchantment and in disillusioning or enlightening yeah. through sexual initiation, and so mm. and and uh, so maybe Anne, you want to jump right back there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do think um, in, in the five books it's fairly clear that the point of the sexual initiation. Um, is to is to I mean, is to is to en, enlighten value into um, you know sort of the perils and pleasures of romance and and in a sense I think his sexual initiation makes no difference. I mean, I suppose that's hard to say because we don't. I mean, we don't really know much about value before this happens but i think the fact that his erotic partner is a maid rather than a peer makes a huge difference i mean he's not in a position to have, to have sexual relations with a, a woman of his social status but i think um i think that that's that's an that's an that's an important fact and i don't i mean that's not that's not to diminish his affection for her or her significance. And at one point way later in the novel, when there's discussion made about making her a concubine, somebody actually says, I don't think that's a good idea because she has more authority over him as a maid than she would as a, as a concubine or wife. But I do, I do think that um, basically, I guess that the level, the level of social status plays a role in his failure to be to be enlightened
0: but how about his dream encounter with the two-in-one how about his but that didn't also result in the two-in-one slash like it didn't result in any kind of enlightenment as well right i think i think i think not <laughs> um, um So so i think
1: um the the, the thing is uh it, it can't right um, mm-hmm. because if he's enlightened, as we all yes. know, that there's no more story to tell. In fact, <laughs> with Ingstone, uh, again and again, whenever is on the verge of attaining enlightenment would say, "Oh, I'm so glad that he's not enlightened; otherwise, there's no more story to read." You know? So, <laughs> so, so that I, that that is kind of obvious. But also, the whole structure of the dream is. Um, is presented that way, where you have very intense experience and very intense barriers to understanding that experience. Sure. And yeah, and Tinka Tsi is such an interesting figure. Is, is she two-in-one or is she not? And what what is the significance of that identification? And two-in-one, of course, looks like both Bao Chai and Dai Yu. And if you think about how different they look, it's almost an impossible thing. No, no person can look like both of them, right? So it's an idea that is realizable only in a dream, and it's when it's repeated in real life, it's made. And that sort of shift is also very um, frequent in the story of the stone, from something mm-hmm. very elevated, very idealized, to something relatively mundane. Because I think in an aristocratic household. For most uh, young male members to attain sexual experiences, how it happened historically, I right. I don't know for sure, but that's my guess. Um, and Yu's sexual experience is is a very interesting thing, as um as Ann said earlier. Did it really make a difference to him? Because a lot of times he behaved like a very innocent young person. Now and then we have a switch, and he seems to be more knowing, but. Part of it, it part of the storytelling, it is as if Sao wants to get it out of the way because the story can't go on if he's totally innocent. But this experience happens and then it it, it there's not much emphasis on it, even intimacy with aroma. There's there's they're not there almost there's almost no other scene after this that would show you that they are sexually intimate. Um so he he is this paradoxical combination of innocence and experience that I think is important for his project because if he's totally innocent, we can't empathize with him, right? But he also wants to, yet he also doesn't want him to, to be, quote-unquote, experienced, to really know all these things in the world because he wants to keep him pure, um, to keep him in that idealized realm
0: also despite everything. I think that... Um... I, I mean, I think that's absolutely true, um, you know, and Frankie and I think others mentioned this last week that, you know, that the um, the story basically begins with failure, but also begins with that the story can only continue with ignorance, right? So, so, uh, Baoyu's ignorance is, is, uh, is the beginning of writing. And so if we, um, you can't have enlightenment and then have a story. Um so that that makes sense, uh, but it does remind me of something that. Um, so I teach a class on story worlds, and one of the and the whole class is about world building, and in various kinds of fiction, fictional universes, and even nonfictional universes. But one of the things that we talk about is the different layers of knowledge that happen within the text. Um, so when does when um, what is the the you, you can say the um, epistemological timeline for the reader for the main characters, um, for the secondary characters, um, and how an author meshes those together to create a certain kind of frisson, right? So a, a kind of story, um, because as you know, uh, different sets of characters were no different things. And I thought chapter five is very obvious that way because, you know, there is all the celestial secret that is being revealed, um, but then, of course, there's a the whole layer of the translated and annotated editions, or from Reddingstone to Hawks, because you, that means you, as a reader, are also understanding it more, perhaps, right? Um, so, I was wondering about that, like la- what, what you think of, what you two think of the the layers of knowledge and ignorance um, that are being laid out um, in the early chapters, in, especially in five and six, five maybe. In a different kind of obvious way, but six too, right? Because what mm-hmm. Granny Liu knows, what Joe Ray uh, is trying to let her know, what Sifong, what you know, what Lady Wang—I mean, I mean, Mrs. Wang—you know—there's so many different layers of people uh, as characters that are being presented and have different or imperfect knowledge of a particular situation. And maybe what we love about Liu La La is she does not know, right? that that's that's the, that's the charm of her character. She's one of the least, uh, she's least privy to the timeline and therefore is most like the innocent reader.
1: I think that's absolutely true. I, I think that's what makes her so appealing as a character, right? We actually do um, do identify with her sense of wonder. And I've always read chapter six as a, in some strange way, a repetition of chapter five. Mm. It's about a character entering a realm that is uh, totally unknown to him or her, right? So when Dil sees see this pendulum clock and it goes through a whole series of metaphors, is it a a machine for threshing grain? What is it? And, And then the knowing reader, and maybe there are not even that many knowing readers because how common was the pendulum clock in the 18th century? And then eventually they get to the realization that, yes, this is a pendulum clock. And you compare that to Yu, you know, looking at all these uh, registers and these departments with, you know, department of heartbreak, of longing, whatever, and um, not knowing what it is and and then eventually the reader gets some sense of, oh, this is what's going to happen, maybe even without the aid of the commentators, but just being trained in reading and knowing what these words mean then feeling that they have a kind of knowledge that Bao Yu doesn't have and then Perhaps the same experience when Granny Liu uh, is entering that world—that they know something more than Granny Liu. But because of that, then the readers can also more readily enter into their their process of knowing. Right? Um, yeah. So it, this repetition is very interesting to me, and and throughout the book, there there are actually a lot of parallels and deliberate juxtapositions of Granny Liu and Yu. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, like the most th- uncouth and most uh, refined character. Right.
2: Yeah, I I think I think that that's a that's a great insight, and um, I think that I mean, there's a way in which um, Chapter Five, you know, is celestial and mysterious, and Chapter Six is quite mundane. I mean, and and so it, I mean, that's also a kind of juxtaposition. I mean, we, you, you know, we don't we don't see ordinary people who have to work on farms and things like that very often, very often in the, in the novel. And, and this is kind of an extended discussion of that. So I think that's another way in which the two chapters are, are, are sort of juxtaposed.
0: Um, Yes, I, th- I and I really I do love this idea of the five and six being kind of a parallel, or and also Liu La La and Jia Bo being a kind of parallel, right? Um, and um, which I I do, and so I I thought that was really lovely. The there were questions I see that concern her. Um, Richard Horowitz asked, "I'm curious how Chinese critics and audiences have viewed Granny Liu and the way she is treated by the Jia clan, especially later on." Um, do you have a sense of that? or? So what I remembered was that uh,
1: in our high school um, or secondary school school books, uh, the, the this excerpt from Hong Mung is, uh, is about Liu Lao because then you don't have to enter into the yes. questions of love or sex or whatever. Um, <laughs> and she's supposed to be a representative of common people, so, and she's supposed to be funny, so children, young people are supposed to to be able to identify with it. And I would say that there is, you know, in, in, in a lot of scholarly discussions, um, or maybe not scholarly discussions, general discussions, there is great fondness for Granny Liu also, because she's supposed to be one of us. So there's
0: a lot of that kind of uh, opinion as well. Um, but that's interesting, right? Because um, I'm sorry, just to cut in, but as Anne points out, um, this—if you think—if you imagine the the first readers or audience for Taoshuiching, and you know, including Reddingson et cetera, uh, they were also not farmers. <laughs> so, so you know, so Lelala is also an exotic spectacle, um, even though we, mm-hmm. in, in a kind of modern interpretation, especially I think a, a post Mao. Um, a kind of a Marxist or or a socialist reading or I mean, revival I mean, of I mean, Hong, I mean, right? right? Right, right, right. Representative of the right, people right, like that, that she 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 does get uh she get just yeah. like um uh uh just like monkey in Da Nao Tian Gong monkey in discer- disturbing the court of heaven in the first you know section of Journey to the West becomes one of Mao's favorites sections and he talks about it, he identifies with monkey. Um, Leolala becomes the politically correct excerpt, as you point out, right? It's funny. It's about a peasant. It's about, you know, you can love Honomon, but also kind of make fun of its riches and this pendulum clock and the weird eggplant dish. And, you know, but I guess what I'm saying is for it, this novel's initial readers, Leolala is not them either, right? So I think mm-hmm. this is a kind of rewriting of who one thinks the readership is, um, more you know, in a more contemporary way. Um, so yeah,
1: so I think you know, I wonder whether, uh, so that's actually true. So the the, the um, ex, ex, exoticism may be too strong a word, but the, but the defamiliarization goes both ways, it's not mm-hmm. about when you're looking at a world, not totally unknown to her, but also you as a reader. Actually entering into a sphere of experience. Whoever who can read whoever can read Honomu is already not a passage, right? Can mm-hmm. can also enter into that strange new world. But there's also a kind of um a double mediation. I don't know how else to call it. Your world becomes um even more interesting to you because you are seeing it through the eyes of someone mm-hmm. who've never seen it before. You it's mm-hmm. as if you appreciate your your luxuries in a new way too, right? So okay. if you you, that's why he she can play court jester so easily because this, this appeals totally to the insider as well. If I can, if I can relive the wonder of everything through the eyes of the outsider.
0: So. Um, uh... And this kind of relates to the question uh, about both Granny Lou and um, I. Want, I didn't know if David wanted to ask his own question, Professor Holt, but um, but I'll read his point because this kind of connects to both stuff. Uh, to several things we were talking about earlier, but a potential discussion point. Uh, before the entrance of Granny Lou, the narrator appears again to rather self-consciously say that he wasn't really sure what to talk about, but then Granny Lou mm-hmm. shows up and solves that problem. It seems to evoke a personal storyteller vibe and calls back to the opening of the novel. But I'm wondering if it also colors the way we read the real illusion, fake fiction thread of the story. Mm-hmm. Basically, what is the effect of the narrator's appearance here?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, that the the narrator says there are so many what three hundred interest or three hundred people. Many of them are interesting. What am I going to talk about? Oh, on this day, this woman shows up, and I don't. I mean, the narrator doesn't come in like that very often. Um, and I think it. I mean, I mean that. That does, I think, perhaps suggest that 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 she's real in a way that things in chapter five were not real in a in a in a, a, a literal way. I'm I'm not sure about that, but I I did when I was looking at it this morning. I did really notice that strong narrator um, intrusion into right. the text. Um, yeah.
0: I mean there 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 are these of course the the Kui, the kind of serial fiction endings at many chapters that says if you want know right. more, read next. Right. But right. but uh, relative to other uh, vernacular fictions, there's actually very little in homo, mm-hmm. right? It's very much mm-hmm. a readerly text, not a oral not a faux oral text mm-hmm. and so because uh talk more more about the sex. Um. This happens at, at the end of chapter five as well, right? So let's 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 kind of pause a little bit on the on the details of the sex, but let us, and then in chapter six, let us turn to, you know, right, kind of, on and kind of move right. on. And and you're right. And and I think David's question is pointing to that, right? This does it then help us read chapter five as illusion? Um. Well, you, especially you said that you feel like these are doubled or paired chapters. Um, so, what do you think?
1: So, part of it, I think, is is um, the author playing tricks with us again, you know, because mm-hmm. to tell to tell you in chapter six that now we can really begin for earnest is a way to tell you to please stop and think about what happened in the last five chapters. We, we began quite a few times already, so mm-hmm. what did all those beginnings uh, amount to? Um, but, of course, in some ways, he he has some reason to, for saying that the narrative because up to this point, um the characters are introduced by Jia Yichun, right? This guy's name means fiction. Mm-hmm. Um and uh up to, um uh I don't want to say supernatural, but something happens, right? Obviously chapter one and chapter five, but in between when Zha and Lang Zixing are sitting there talking about the cosmos, they're also not in the mundane world, right? When Even when uh, Lin dai Yu goes into the Jia family in chapter three, when she and Bao Yu meet for the first time, the, what, what they remember is that they have seen each other before. So again, you are thrown back to that um, mythical world and... Okay, chapter four is more mundane, it's about a court case, it's about introducing Shivao Chai, but but even so it's through the um mediatory role of this character, Jia Yichun. So everything feels more allegorical, more more mm. set up, uh more, less about the the texture of the, the the kind of the day-to-day texture of existence. And Granny Liu's entrance. Um, bring us into, into this other world, right? So on the one hand, of course, it's more real, but if you take the uh, uh, couplet and the land of illusion seriously, everything that is real also may ultimately be not real. Um, you can take that in, in, in the Buddhist or Taoist sense, a kind of reminder about the ultimate ephemerality of existence, uh, you can take that in a socio political sense and um, think of this reality illusion as a way to critique maybe the, the very fragile structure of the luxuries that all these people are enjoying. So maybe even as Gwen you know marvels at at at, um, at this very splendid world, there is also a sense that uh, is 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 also. Very precarious, perhaps. Maybe the illusion, sense of illusion, also refers to that. And after all the very um, intense sensual sexual uh, experience in chapter five, you also then made to ask yourself whether the whole illusion reality thing um, have to do with some some. F- fundamental aspects of subjectivity, this world that we can live so intensely, the world of reveries, of imagination, of memory, of of passion, that all that has a component that makes it also a little bit unreal because it's from our mind, right? It's like it's in a dream, it's in chapter five. So, so in other words, even though you land in reality, that set of questions never quite
0: disappear.
2: Right. Yeah, it's it's like illusion and reality are not a binary.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I love that, and um and Brendan actually also um just posted saying I think another function of Granny Liu's character is to underscore the artificiality, irreality mm-hmm. even of life in the Jia household. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not necessarily as socialist critique, but uh but you know um, I think this idea of irreal But I, I really also love what way you was just saying about the intensity of, um, you know, subjective emotion, right. Which is what people resonate, what people love about homo, but also, um, there is not a clip, you know, for a lot of, when we think about, um, modern texts, and I mean the long modern, right. The modern texts that, um, focus on that kind of intensity of emotion, and also intensity of subjective um, uh, perception, um, of course, Proust, right? But it is usually very, very concentrated on a singular perspective. And, and actually, I feel that Hong does not have that singular mm-hmm. perspective, even if you is such a beloved figure, or and I think, um, I didn't say this in our daiyu week, I suppose, but I feel like part of the attachment to daiyu, especially for when one is a young reader, um, uh when is a young woman reader, is that daiyu seems to be a particular thread of singular perspective in that intensity. But even... Uh, she does not in a narrative structure sense, she does not play that role because she doesn't, she's not around enough and she's not privy to a lot of these other moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so Homo is interesting that way that it doesn't have that intense subject, per- subjective perspective of one person through a modern text. Right. So, and um, I, I do feel like it marks and that may, might make it harder for a modern reader. Um but it's not a novel of adventure, right? It's not like you know. It's not mm-hmm. Shere who It's not Journey to the West. It's not Water Margin. So,
1: so, so that's really interesting, right? So the the kind of uh, lyricism or or um, the, the the kind of fictional universe that really f- focuses on on the mind of a specific protagonist, or, So, so who's Virginia Woolf, Jeet, perhaps, and or, is not precious like that right it has characters like Liu lao which really is supposed to totally engage your sympathy as well so that's a really interesting combination it's, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's a very intense lyricism at times um but it also doesn't disdain the commonplace
0: yeah, right? right so um double cat uh, mentions and by the way anybody who wants to just uh voice your own uh questions and comments uh please come join us um i see handan has and um so uh but devil cat says did other readers find granny low savvier than any of the other characters despite her low uh lower social status she knows what she needs and is able to get it unlike baoyu what do you think all the 19th century commentators get that, Red some get that as well in, in, in their comments, yeah. Right, right, yeah. So, and um, um, Henan, do you wanna ask your question or oh, or comment?
3: Yes, I have two comments on Granny Liu. Um, I requested, as you were talking about how um, this the story goes fluidly from one person's perspective to the next. And this thing, um, this feature really didn't strike me as very interesting at in in the first uh, several rounds of reading, but it all, in ch- it all changed when I became a mother and Granny Liu actually offered a lot of food for thought. Uh, for example, her first experience with this big, Dong, dong, dong sound from this big ch- the chime of, of the big clock, which is uh, a total novelty in her life, she was startled by this sound, like, what can this be? Uh, and when I read it again when I was a new mother, and I, I so this made me realize like what my baby is going through all these like novel sounds and they would turn their head like, Oh, what's that? Of course they cannot speak. Um, I mean, my babies in general, they cannot speak at this point, but they are experiencing a lot of new things um, much like Granny Liu is going through. So I really like how like this is going into the mind of Granny Liu and then describing in such a fun fashion, like her reaction. So I, I love, and I, that's when I uh, came to appreciate this feature of the book. Another, uh, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, go ahead, please. And on her savviness, and you were just talking about that's my second comment. Also, in the first few rounds, I didn't realize like she is that savvy, but then I listened to Jiang Xun's commentary on the whole book, and then it gradually hit me that like, she is more savvy than I initially realized, either intentionally so Mm -hmm. or maybe she's just talent. She's natural, but I don't know. But she played beautifully into the psyches of these rich, spoiled um, people cut off from the reality. Um, In so many ways, she kind of provided uh, these well-dressed people like living in such wealth she provided this opportunity to appreciate how good a life they are living. It's always, you know, looking at other people, it's like, of course, you kind of know you're living a good life, but Granny Liu's presence and her remarks and her behaviors make them probably more appreciative of their own wealth and good life. That's one thing. Also, Granny Liu is very good at being like playing... Um, uh, humble and um, powerless, powerless, making the other people feel like we are so powerful. So she really played very well into that kind of psyche to her own advantage. Um, I don't know if it's yep. talent or skill, but yeah, that that's all. Thank you.
0: Oh no, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. Hannah. Um, so two things. One is uh, I love this comparison to. Uh, the naive, right, the, the idea of the child perspective, and maybe the charm when she describes these things is that she, you know, she is playing the narrative role of the alien or the child, you know, the person who lands on a different planet um, and then has to see anew, um, especially since we've become jaded, or the people in Daffle are becoming jaded to the sites. So, so that's one. Um, the other is... Um, uh, Michael Chu and um, also uh, Guo Ting's father, uh, you know, Professor Guo and uh, Fudan, recently was talking about sort of legal and economic ramifications of Hong Kong encounters. And it made me think of this book by uh, Michael Chu um, called uh, Jane Austen Game Theorist. And it's a whole discussion of Austen's novels is basically patterns of folk game theory, and how mm-hmm. you know, and and I was thinking that uh, Lulalal is one of the, um, she and in, she introduces comparative scale and re- economics into the novel, um, mm-hmm. in a very explicit mm-hmm. way that uh, since she compared even the the folk sayings of you know one hair off your arm is you know bigger than my waist or um you know later which is you know your meal can feed a whole mm-hmm. uh, family a whole, year. whole year but i feel like those kinds of comparisons are actual economic comparisons so he she introduces this kind of so if um if, if uh professor two has talked about you know say um the folk game theorists um in mrs bennett um i feel like the folk economist is they will allow law, right
2: yeah that's so interesting one of the things that i was thinking about when um why was talking is um there are ways in which we become acquainted with the JA household by the entry of people into the household and and Linda Yu makes one kind of entry. I mean, Linda Yu is one kind of innocent enterer. She and 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 then just a couple of chapters later, Granny Liu is another kind of innocent enterer. But they have very different. Very different kinds of of, um, of innocence and of not knowing and of not understanding. But you know, Linda, you mistakes maids for mistresses and right. and and things like that. So i I mean I'm not suggesting that they're parallel characters, but I am suggesting mm-hmm. that one that one of the ways we become acquainted with a household is through the eyes of people. Or becoming acquainted with a household and those are two very different kinds of acquaintance
0: um and and if I may just indulge i I, I think you know so if you think in the contact of Balzac or you know or or uh, or Flaubert that it's it's interesting that Ling you is kind of the sentiment the the young man on the on the precipice of a sentimental education right the mm-hmm. fre mm-hmm. or you know some kind mm-hmm. of character who is about to be but but comes with so it's a kind of the beginning of a building's And maybe that's why she's the most understandable character for a modern reader, that she's on the precipice of learning and becoming jade and cynical and disillusioned. And um through her journey into this, you know, space. But Lao is the Balzacian Cousin Bet or Cousin Pons, right? The 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 country bumpkin relative. But unlike in Balzac, where Cousin Bet and Cousin Pons are basically incredibly uh, disdained characters. Liu Lalao is not. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the interesting... Like, So what do you think of Wang Xifeng's treatment of her? Like, when, she, when the Wang Xifeng-Liu uh, LaLa encounter... Oh, by the way, Liu LaLao is who, the first person who tells us how old Wang Xifeng is, right? Uh-huh, right. right. She,
2: yeah. Oh, she's only 18 or 19, yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. that kind of surprises yeah. all... Of, I mean, certainly surprises, yeah. <laughs> it surprises me every time I read it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs>
0: And so she quantifies stuff for us, she quantifies mm-hmm. and she measures, and she and so but what did you think of that first encounter? well you did you i mean or is it you know so familiar now or does it characterize seko in a way that's interesting
1: it it really actually makes her quite um quite sympathetic I thought because in at the end of the day she's very kind to do la lao right to Liu. I just um want to um Add a, a couple of footnotes to all the fine things said earlier. Oh, the, the comment about uh Renny Liu and um, how childlike she is. Uh, later on in the book, we're going to have an even um, striking example of this when she looks into the mirror. I think that's around chapter 40, The Mirror in Bao Yi's Room. Right. Because anybody who has observed a child will will remember the moments when a child looks at the mirror and, and realizes that that image is himself or herself it's you know it's a real mirror stage thing that, that for, for a child to to see that is is something really important and so when granny looks at the mirror and uh, at first wonders whether this is the mother of her daughter-in-law and then only later realizes that it's herself that that really means something i think it shows some psychological insights on on how wonderment works and you know and how wonderment is associated with looking at yourself as yourself uh, or as another person, and um, and what um, Anne said earlier about uh, what and you, and you said earlier about um, uh, Linda, you are entering the household and also in some ways replicates a little bit of this wonder, not in the same way, of course, because she's from an aristocratic family, but she too wonders whether the water that people um, rinse mm-hmm. is their mouth with it. it turns out that it's not for drinking, so she's observing that and, and mm-hmm. registering that, right? And and the author is really interested in this because this is replayed several times later. Later on, there's a character called Zha entering the household and then looking at the aroma and, and realizing that, oh, this is Bao Yunsa uh, important May, and then he too is looking at it as an outsider. And then much later on, there's a character called Zhe observing the sacrifices of the new year. I forgot what chapter it is, 50-something, I don't know. Um, So so why does he again and again return to this? Because he's already, by then, you know, we should know this household. He seems to think that this this really works to to take us through this space, uh, through the perspective of yet another character, letting them see new things and so on. So that's that's just uh, these are just footnotes. But but about um, uh, Granny Liu and and uh, and what what was the question? I did mean, I forgot.
0: <laughs> oh no 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 just just um, you know uh, her. Uh, I actually my question was really Wang Cifeng's attitude towards her, right? That, oh, Wang Cifeng's attitude
1: towards yeah. her. Yeah yeah yeah, and and um, they kind <laughs> of yeah. So in some strange way uh it's as if because Wonsifong is really smart right so she understands the whole dynamic of what does it mean for granny Lou to to play this uh, poor relative to be this poor relative and how 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 they how they can work together so to speak right and and uh yeah you you see a more human side of Wonsifong here as well right. but i i think what you said earlier about how um, how Granny was taken seriously by the author. I think that's really important because even on the symbolic scale, she's really important. Uh, and she's important in all these human terms of making us understand the economy of this household and all that. But why is she so intertwined with Jiabao Y? that later on you
0: will see more of it and think more about it. And I think it's really important. So so um, we don't have too much time left, but there are three kind of I what I will... Think of as clusters, and I hope people just continue discussing. One is uh, thank you, Ealing, for sharing. Also, thinking about uh, narrative structure. This is obviously something that I'm 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 very excited about. But like you know, Min Donggu's book about um, sort of an omniscient narrative. So you should read Ealing's uh, post. Um, the and so we hope to continue there. There is a cluster of questions about Xifeng and Rong and the kind of exchange of flirtatious glances mm-hmm. and whether this is setting us up for something. And I guess, relatedly, in the kind of third cluster of comments that people made is, um, is Baoyu's action seen as a kind of developmental adolescent? You know, so it's it's his his coming of age as a as a man, right? I mean, like his his adolescent coming of age, and but also Laurie Dennis asked, you know, but um, do we see his actions very differently than we see, say, Xue Pan's actions? Act, actions just the chapter earlier, um, you know, do we see? You know, that is obviously we see we see that as being a libertine and 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 terrible and uh, like you know, but is Baoyu completely the opposite of that, you know, or is it? So, so questions about Xifeng and Jiarong, Is there a setup there? Um, you know, is there a kind of weird uh, uh, incest by marriage, little background going on there? Um, yeah. I think that's implied, but
1: we never get more than that. But all the commentators make hay of that. They even get very excited about the fact that um, she's coming to. He's coming to borrow. Right. Liu Li Ping, right? A kind of crystal screen or something. So the idea of a screen, how much does the screen hide? And the fact that it's a translucent screen, so how much is shown? Is, is the author saying that he's hiding something, but also telling you that he's not really hiding it? It's quite obvious that there's something <laughs> going on there. So they go on and on about that as well. But but um, yeah, so there's a hint of impropriety, but actually uh, never beyond that. So you, right. So whatever Wang Sipho is, she, she is not shown to be an
0: adulteress, like right. all these other men are it's only implied um and Julie um says that um uh, Julie Sullivan mentions that she feels like it's flourishation, but not necessarily implying adultery because why would someone like Sifong yield that kind of power, right? I mean that, you know, to to be to have an adulterous relationship in the household is actually a kind of power loss given her power saviness. But Anne, did I did we go? Yeah. Yeah, that's also
2: true. Um I, I'm didn't son initially tell him that she lent out the screen to someone else? Mm, I know, but yes. she said that you can come back later and we'll talk about it. Oh and it. he did then come back later or but but we, anyway, we I mean, know, I mean, yeah, anything. I mean I th- I think I think that that that's a kind of an added layer to the complexity of the screen the first answer is you can't have it and then and then gets it but yeah i mean i i think that that there's definitely a suggestion of of flirtatiousness um but yeah she that doesn't go anywhere
0: yeah right and then the question about Baoyu and um, is you know we were talking about doubles a lot throughout. So Xue Pan, Baoyu, um, do we see their sexual licentiousness as different things altogether?
1: So my sense of it is that Xue Pan is just presented as um, like a lot of the other male characters. Uh, as someone with this predatory lust and um, uh, kind of almost casual possessiveness of things that he feels like having, and I mean, in fact, he is presented as being less vicious than some of the other characters in that mold, but definitely quite different from Bao um, Yu and Aroma, right? I think this is perhaps the first time in Chinese literature when, when um, uh, a first sexual experience is described in such innocent way such an innocent way so so these two characters are about 12 13 14 something like that maybe 12 and 14 maybe Aroma is a couple of years older and uh, at least in the manuscript editions they they are presented as being quite shy and fumbling and just wondering what's going on and you know so the contrast between this and the highly allegorical encounter with this, figure with two-in-one who is both supremely beautiful and yet has a problematic connection with a character who is indirectly connected to incest, namely qiqo it makes that whole problem so complex and so now repeated in the human world with a maid and as a kind of childish game, relatively, and so you, you really don't see it as licentiousness in any way, so I don't have the books with me now, I'm... Uh, not in Cambridge on the road, but um otherwise I'll go and check. But I think the, the consensus is that um the 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 editor of the 1792, 1791 edition, actually 1792, 1792 editions, um, because even the Chanzaban was already printed in the beginning of 1792, right. um uh they they make some changes in the text, he or they. It made some changes in the text that made um aroma seem
0: a little bit more coy and um, knowing and i should i should just point out they don't like aroma yeah so i should just point yeah. out that that shan in the in the uh, thread did men um so so go check out her post um she mentions the the different uh, you know from qiangxi ren to qiang La ren or banner, you know, like the the these different phrasings, and also maybe emendations, and a lot of people attribute um, it to also Gawa's attitude towards Shirin as a character. So, um, so that's wonderful, and exactly to what, what you was saying um, that our perception of this particular encounter, maybe that answers Lori's question. I don't know if it does of of how this might be perceived as something uh, very different in kind. Um, than an adult man, Xue Pan's lust, right? And of course, Qing Huan Xianzi, the fairy disenchantment, makes certain kinds of comments about how Bao Yu's lust is different from yeah. other men, right? So,
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, that may be sort of the point of the contrast is there's, there's more than one kind of lust and Bao Yu's, values lust is a lust of the mind i mean which doesn't mean it's not ever physical but i think i think it that 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 may be i mean it may be deliberately contrastative. Mm-hmm.
0: i think that's great and um i think that oh. Well, we're already at time, and but uh, as people can see, there's plenty to discuss, and I love that the, the people have been posting about threads. I mean, other things that came up throughout the week. Obviously, one was translation. A lot of people, and maybe this is, but this is since it's an ongoing discussion, um, we could uh, think more about it. I love the examples people are giving um, about Hox's choices, but also the other translations. You probably saw that. Uh, I mean, a little bit of effort uh, to update the the website so there are some more links and to both adaptations another future topic as well as to different editions and different translations so i'd love for people to continue those threads and we definitely will have an uh, adaptation discussion someone asked for that um you know to look at the different uh, tv serials and the operas and whatnot and um Finally, um, I think uh, since my proposal, uh, for those of you who join a little later, I said at the beginning that next Saturday, um, we're all um, otherwise occupied. So we are going to pause the Saturday chat for one week and continue two weeks from now, two Saturdays from now. But what that means is we will also do a little time jump to chapter 12, which conveniently can allows us to continue a lot of these discussions about transgressive sexual you know sexual encounters um Wong character um and whatnot so I just encourage everyone to just keep on reading ahead or or joining in now and reading forward and next week we will focus on mirrors and sex and and excessive masturbation I suppose um Mm -hmm. and this is where our um, podcast will earn its explicit title But any other comments, Anne, or Wei? No. No, but thank Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you all for such a, so many great topics that were brought up in conversation. So thank you and see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.